Hello and welcome to another episode of the 15 Minutes of Football Transfer News Central podcast. I'm here. James is here. Hi, everyone. And, well, let's get straight, straight into it, I suppose. Four topics that we have. Um, who's going to win the Premier League? Can get that in a bit of detail. Only uh, speculation and, and, and discussion, really, as opposed to certainty, because we can't seem to predict more than one week uh, at the moment, as is the case in this crazy season. Also, a look at Borussia Dortmund, Lucien Favre. I've often thought that he's been maybe not quite the man uh, to take Borussia Dortmund to the next level, and he has been sacked in light of their 5-1 defeat to Stuttgart, so we'll look at that in a bit of detail. Also, look at the top five uh, right-wingers in the Premier League, um, to, in line with the top five in every position that we've gone through pitch. And we'll finally look at the rest of the European results, um, I suppose headlined by the uh, Stuttgart-Dortmund game, but we'll look elsewhere at, into other interesting results and interesting situations. But we'll start with the Premier League. And again, that unpredictability has been rife throughout the season. And this has been one of those game weeks where I don't think any of the top six, uh, as I think now, have, have won a game this week. So it, it is quite, um, I suppose it's a, it's a wonderful illustration of a season that has been quite unlike any other. Yeah, it is. It's... it's... I don't think there's ever been a season like this one. It's mm. uh, it's the least predictable season mm. of all. Uh, even the Leicester season, that wasn't predictable that Leicester would, would win the title that year. No. I think Southampton uh, did particularly well then as well. Like, I think they got top. Um, yeah, they did. They did quite well. Did uh, and quite Arsenal well. finished second, didn't they? When Tottenham fi- managed to finish third in a two-horse race, which they were involved in. I don't think it's been this close since then. I wouldn't think. I don't think it's been... Mm. Because after Leicester, you had uh, Chelsea the next year, you kind of started to run away with it. Mm. And then, you know, two years after that, Man City kind of, well, they didn't run away with it the second year, but you always felt they were going to win it. Um, mm. And then Liverpool last year, obviously, uh, yeah. just away away from the pack very clearly by this time. So mm. uh, I think there were eight points clear after 12 games last year, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that ended up being much, much more than that. But... Yeah, this year it's really unpredictable. Um, there's uh, there's any from I think three four teams could probably win it, and it'll I think it will go 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 to the wire. It'll go to the last last few games, mm-hmm. and that's good. That's good for football. It's good for the Premier League because it means yeah. that every game matters to the end of the season. You know, it absolutely not, is. Uh, it absolutely it's not, is. Not a competitive league, you know. Uh, and I, and I think it's not the favourites. <laughs> no, sure. I think one of the th- one of the reasons uh, speculated, and I sort of am inclined to agree. I think it's all the exterior factors and the makeup of the season being different to all the others before we even go into football. The fact there's shortened pre-season to what the players are used to. The fact that the start is a delayed start because of the delayed end to last season. The fact that uh, linking to that lack of pre-season, the lack of ability to ingrain you know, new tactical methods, but more importantly, to get fitness back up and give the players a substantial rest before that pre-season. I mean, some of the players look very exhausted and we see more injuries now than we used to have. Um, So I think all of the exterior factors really are making the season the way it is. And that's why I think in previous years, uh, the champions have had, well, Liverpool were 99, weren't they? And then Man City were uh, 98 the season before, and then Man City were 100 the season before that. But I think realistically now we're looking at maybe we could see a champion in the in the lower 80s, I suppose, than maybe the, the yeah. 90s that we saw before. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. You could, yeah, I think the, the champions will be somewhere in the lower 80s. Yeah, I don't think it'll be 90, 98, whatever. Like it's been mm. the last couple of years. Uh, I don't think, yeah. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's really tough, isn't it? Because Liverpool seem to have, the, I think, the best mentality of all the all the teams. Because it takes a very special team to still be right up there at the top after losing Van Dijk to a long term injury, Joe Gomez to a long term injury, uh, without Thiago, who was brought in to spice up the midfield. They've been without Trent Alexander Arnold for quite a few games. Uh, you know, they've had injuries galore all over the pitch. Curtis Jones, the academy product, has been has been you know become a, a mainstay starter now in that midfield. Such yep. as his struggles for Liverpool and yet oh, and also injury to Alisson and young Keller is now out for about six weeks yeah, I think yeah. Too much. yeah I mean to say Liverpool is still right up there with all of that just shows the elite mentality at the football club and it means and they've got quality I mean they've got quality yeah. in, in the team that they're putting out anyway I mean you've still got that front three of Sane and 
and Salah and Firmino still still there, you know, mm-hmm. and they're still performing. You still got you still got the wing backs, you know. Um, although I have to say, Alexander Arnold hasn't been the same this season as he was last yeah. year. For sure. yeah. um, he's not the best. He's not on form. He's not the best right back in the no. Premier League this year. No. Um, but yeah, to, yeah, exactly. I mean, that just shows it's not just about what the players you have. It's about building a mentality and a mindset and character uh, mm. in the squad, and mm. that's what champions need. And they have I mean, that. had that for a couple of years. They had that even before they won the league. Yeah, they, I mean, they against got... a Wolves team that's been a, a bit, a bit, they're in a bit of a bad patch of form, but they're still a team you'd expect to be, you know, pose a challenge. They won four 0 at Anfield, and that was without. Uh, Alexander Arnold and Echo Williams played. Kelleher was in goal, uh, somebody who probably started the season as third choice goalkeeper. Uh, Fabinho's now morphed into a centre back, and I think he's arguably, what, arguably been one of the best in the league, which is testament to how good a player he is. Um, and yeah, and I thought, I thought such a resounding win like that in the circumstances, as the same with the Leicester game, you know, when they, I think uh, just before the Leicester game, we were, as Salah wasn't available as well. You add Salah to that list, and they won 3 0. You know, another good team that they've managed to swat away. I know they've had a bit of a sticky uh, result against Fulham today, where uh, Sunday, when we record the podcast, where it didn't have they didn't play particularly well. But I think you're going to expect that, aren't you? Because sometimes it's not it, it, the expectations are different now, and it means like Chelsea lost this weekend uh, to Everton. They were quite below par, also resulting from yeah. injuries. Yeah, and Tottenham they drew with Crystal Palace today. Uh, on Sunday, <laughs> and yeah. they were—they probably did enough to win the game, but Palace, Palace had their own chances and probably warranted a point from their point of view. So everyone's yeah. dropped collectively, dropped points, and it just shows that. I mean, when you look at that, you look at Manchester City, who are just sort of on the outside of it with a game in hand over many of the other teams, which would put them right back up there. Um, when you look at it all like this, they go to Old Trafford, they play a, quite a pragmatic, boring, almost Jose Mourinho game walk away with a point. I mean, in the context of this weekend, that point could be vital, couldn't it? Because Old Trafford's a tough place to go and all the other teams have slipped up. Exactly, yeah. And you know, I've noticed this in a lot of the big games, actually, between the big teams. Mm. Uh, you've seen that the, the teams are less willing to go for it in those games because it's so tight at the top. And because they're tired, maybe? Because of the relentless schedule. Yeah, the relentless yeah, schedule. Yeah, exactly. The players are tired. And every, I mean, all, almost every big team has had injury problems. You know, Liverpool, well documented. Man City had them at the start of the season, mm-hmm. really bad injuries. Like Chelsea, have had all three of their wingers out. Yeah, uh, you know, for the Everton game, which probably didn't help them um, against Everton, uh, especially when they're playing kind of a low block as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, Spurs have had injuries as well. Uh, you know, it, it's. Yeah, a lot of teams have had injuries, and it's because it was, and it was expected because teams have been playing twice a week. Mm. All the teams in Europe have been playing twice a week for the last six mm. weeks, and you can't sustain that without getting yeah. injured. You know, I mean, ordinarily, James, like I say, in an ordinary season, I think it'd be Carabao Cup, Premier League, Champions League, Car- Premier League, Carabao Cup, uh, Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, Carabao Cup. So, you, if you were in, if you were competing in the cup as well, the Carabao Cup usually offers you an opportunity to make wholesale changes and play some of the younger players, in the, especially in the earlier stages. But as it was this season, it was Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, Champions League. And then you can't really do that as much because you've got to, you, big teams are expected to compete on both fronts. And I do think that, you know, people are saying Man City are now more defensively resolute, but uh, going forward, it does seem like they're lacking the, the usual um, movement and the, and the fast, frenetic football that they like to play. Could argue the same with Liverpool to an extent. And injuries aside, uh, that probably is true as well, not just because of those injuries, but because, like we've just said, it's almost impossible to keep the, the speed going when you don't have the same level of rest per match. So maybe this is Guardiola and Klopp, maybe to an extent, but we see it more with City, with Guardiola thinking, actually, I might need to adapt and become a bit, go against my principles a little bit here, because, quite simply, if we play the same way with, we want that I always play at my football clubs, we could get done in a few games. We look at what happened against Leicester, 5-2, at the second game of the exactly, season. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, I think it surprised everybody what happened at Old Trafford because uh, mm. you knew that Manchester United would sit back. You knew that mm. they would defend deep and mm. 
and attack because that's generally what they do in big games under Solskjaer. But mm-hmm. nobody expected what happened, what Man City to do what they did. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's what and you've seen in a lot of these big games. You know, Chelsea, Chelsea, Tottenham, nil nil last week. You know, I mean, he, a, got, he got a lot of criticism, Guardiola. Though, but if that was Jose Mourinho, they'd be saying it's a masterclass because he didn't yeah, let United yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's just weird to see someone so a man so um, controlled by his principles playing attacking dominant on the front foot football retort revert almost to his well I wouldn't say nemesis but well I'll say nemesis because you know he and Jose Mourinho are quite opposite ends of the spectrum but he's almost done a Jose Mourinho in this game and and I think it just all adds up to the fact that it's a season like that's not like any other you have to adapt whoever you are every team um yeah, it, it is crazy. So I, I, I'll have to ask James, you know, good good time to do. Uh, it doesn't really matter. We just won't promote the podcast if you're wrong. Um, but who would you say is, at this stage, the most likely to, 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 to be winning that title? For me, I'd probably stick my hat on Liverpool at present. But with all their injuries, is the mentality strong enough to see them over the line when the competition yeah, so exactly. yeah that's a tough that's the thing it's not that because big clubs have had injuries before mm. now, this was a long time ago now but I remember 1997-98 Manchester United were 12 points clear in January mm. they lost Roy Keane to a crucial injury crucial ligament injury mm. in about October and they kept going for about two months Mm-hmm. And we're playing really, really well. And we're well away in the league. But then towards the end of the season, like the crunch games, the, the must-win games, the, whatever, they began to miss him. Like, and uh, yeah. it's, The injuries, won't, you won't see the effect of the injuries as much now as at the end of the season. It will be, I think, the team that can have the least injuries, in, like, especially in the second half of the season, yes. you know, during the run-in, um, in those pressure games when it counts, yes, the team that handles that best and the team that manages to keep most of their squad fit for those games mm. will probably end up winning the league. Yes, uh, and Van Dyke won't be back for that. He no. won't be back for that. Uh, definitely not. Um, other players might be back for that. Jota might be back for that. Uh, I don't know how long. I don't know how long um, the other centre backs out for. Gomez, quite a while, I think. Long term. I mean, if he's not back for that either. Well, what I would say, though, James, is what you've seen with Fabinho. I mean, if we were picking team of the seasons now, which I'm sure we probably will do in the future, uh, they usually do it halfway, don't they? Quite a lot of people. And it's interesting to always have that. I mean, I'd be tempted to put Fabinho in at centre-back, such is how he's adjusted from a, to a deeper position. Yeah, Almost a bit like Fernandinho did at City, didn't he, when City were short yeah. on on, and he's just a wise sense. He's not the quickest, but he reads the game so well and plays the ball out well. So he's done remarkably well to sort of shore the defence up when it looked like it was in real trouble. And Henderson's gone to defensive midfield and then Curtis Jones is playing usually with Wijnaldum and they've kind of made it work. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's difficult to assess now. Um, I was still like, obviously, because of, because of they, they've done it before, they've got the experience, they've got the quality. Certainly up front, they've got the quality to score goals. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, you probably put your smart money on Liverpool winning the league, but it'll be very close because Spurs will be Spurs will likely be in the mix because they look really good under mm. Mourinho. Mm. Well organised, good spirit. You know, they keep grinding out results. Yeah, they didn't win against Palace, but. Generally, they've been grinding out results. And the more streetwise Man City as well. I just can't... I think they're going under the radar because of that game oh, they haven't they're played. they're in the mix. I was going to... Yeah. Yeah, they're in the mix. Um, and Chelsea are probably in the mix as well, if they can get everyone fit. I think Chelsea uh, will finish fourth, I think. Like I said at the start. I think I said that at the start. No, I said third. I think they'll finish fourth because... I don't you know, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you take, I mean, you probably take fourth Champions League football. Is... My problem with Spurs is that I don't know if they have the strength and depth. Mm. If they get an injury to Kane or Son or both of them, they're not going to be the same team. And again, the number of fixtures that they play, especially with the Europa League and things, because that will get more difficult as mm. time goes along, mm. uh, is it going to be sustainable? Are they going to be able to sustain that to the end of the season? 
You know, mm. uh, that's the question. I mean, it's the same with any team, though, isn't no, it? In the top four, but I don't know whether Spurs will win. I don't think Spurs will win the title, but they'll be in the um, mix. What I mean. My I smart money would be on Liverpool or City still. I think they're the two with the elite managers. They're the, I think the reason City, I think it's quite, people look at the table and think, oh, City are miles off. And they look at the adjustment they've done and they go, oh, City aren't playing like they used to. But I think they've just been more streetwise. And I think that game in hand makes people forget a bit just how close yeah. they actually are to the top. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say Man City. I mean, I not, not, would not write them out of the title ever mm. under Pep Guardiola and with the squad yeah. that they um, yeah. They'll be, they'll be. They'll, I, mean, I said the top four will be Liverpool, City, Spurs, Chelsea, and whatever mm. in some order. And mm. I still stick by that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that looks the way. Maybe not Arsenal now. After a few people were. Yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal might make the top four in the Championship next year. I don't yeah, know. maybe, maybe. Spoken yeah. from a Chelsea. No, anyway, yes, yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Big Sam, big Sam in the door. He'll sort yeah, it out. Anyway. Sam, yeah. Anyway, proper men's football, as the, as he as as he sort of has the tag with. Anyway, back to back to second topic, which was we teased before Lucien Favre. Uh, rare, rare time we actually choose um, choose a, choose to uh, target a European team uh, as one of our three before we get to the European team roundup. But I think Lucien Favre is probably one of the most high-profile sackings now across Europe, and um, yeah. you know, and and it came in the light of a five-one defeat at home to Stuttgart. They'd lost 2-1 to Colm only a couple of weeks ago as well, also at home. And, you know, and then and it wasn't too long ago. They ended last season, uh, they delayed last season, with a 4-0 home defeat to Hoffenheim. Um, so there have been these freakish results quite recently. Uh, and that's before we go back a bit further into, into other results. And... I always think with Dortmund, James, they remind me a bit of Tottenham Hotspur in the way that they develop young players and that they, they're they a great club to go to to uh, to develop as a football player, as a young player. They give chances and opportunities to the brightest talents, some of the brightest talents in the world. And they play in an attractive way of... Uh, they have an attractive way of playing, usually, with the managers that they appoint. And they always have the ambitious aim of reclaiming the German title like they did with Jurgen Klopp uh, many, uh, quite a few years ago now. That's always the ambitious aim. Um, so it's a very difficult one, I think, to, to manage Borussia Dortmund because they have always... I think they always recruit really, really well. You always look at them and think, they've got some... I mean, you know, over the years, I you know, the, the strikers they've had... Uh, we talk about Haaland now. Uh, they, had a, they had a gap, I think, where they had... Um, Alcacer, who wasn't quite as as lethal uh, as some of the other names, but then they've also had Abami and they've also had Lewandowski. Uh, you know, they had Goethe when he was in his prime, and some of the players that you go back and you say these have they've always been a team that's had very high quality players and usually demonstrated the Champions League. But the issue is the they other than Jurgen Klopp, they've not had a manager really to take them to that next level because usually Bayern Munich. The elite mentality giants, the the team with the most resources. Um, well, well, I say the most resources. They don't spend half as much as some of the Premier League teams do, but the team that seem to have the best players uh, and the most and the elite players and the experienced players, they are usually taking most of the of the trophies. So, yeah. in defence of Lucy and Favre, it's a very, very, very tough job, isn't it, to take charge of Dortmund with the expectation? Yeah, Dortmund is a tough one because they want to be the champions of Germany. You know, they want to have good runs in the Champions League. But the problem they have in Germany, of course, is Bayern Munich. So like everything mm. you said is correct. They're, they're so strong. Their squad mm. is strong. Yeah, it's one of the best. It's one of the best in Europe. They have great pulling power. They're really good at recruitment. They're really good. But they're really strong financially in terms of German football. Mm. Uh, and so it's very difficult to compete with them in Germany mm. uh, for any team. Uh, Dortmund are a big club they're a big club and like you say they really recruit well mm. and the players they've got they should be doing better than they are that's uh, that's yeah I think I think uh, when, you've got, when you've got Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland in your attack Julian you Brandt Bundesliga you know Marco Royce uh, yeah exactly you've got all these players who are they're, 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 yeah and yeah I never rated um Barber really and his man management skills aren't that good. 
from all accounts. Well, he, he, he has. He's had an interesting because he, he likes to rotate. I yeah. kind of like what it, the idea of because I know when Jaden Sancho, some managers are ones that put the arm around. I think Favre is a he's a I don't think he's a he's a he's by any means a monster, but I think he does like to keep players on the toes. If they're not playing well, he won't, he'll drop them. And he's 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 rested and he dropped Erling Haaland. I think rested probably more with Haaland. But he's rested Haaland in certain games and he's played as with a false nine, left Haaland on the bench. He's rested Sancho in certain games. And I mean, he can do that because you've also got Paul Hazard, Giovanni Reina, got Jude Bellingham in midfield, uh, a bit behind with Axel Witzel, um, Thomas Delaney. You've got so many good players. Um, I know it's reverting back then to midfield, but in the attacking the attacking areas, sorry, what I should have stayed with, you've got Erling Haaland, Jada Sancho, Marco Royce, Julian Brandt, uh, Reina. So they've got options up, uh, galore in attack, and it and it gives you a it, it gives Favre an opportunity to say, well, if you're not playing too well, then I can play this guy and, and this guy. And like I say, Haaland has been in some games where he's not featured, and you think, oh, okay, he's resting him. So he's trying to keep him grounded to a to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing what struck me, I mean, I'm not a Borussia Dortmund fan, but I've always liked the club, and I always keep an eye on how they're doing and and, and how yeah, they're performing. Yeah. And when they played, I remember they played Bayern Munich and they got hammered 5-0 It was at the Allianz and it was a couple of seasons ago and they looked awful. I mean, they didn't look like they could string passes together. Mental, mentality, mentally, they looked shot. They just didn't look like they could do anything. Uh, then they were playing quite well in the league the season after and Bayern were in a bit of a crisis. Um, I mean, they always play quite well in the league, but Bayern were in a crisis by comparison. So they just lost 5-1, I think, to Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt. Niko Kovac gets sacked and, and they bring in the new manager who's doing brilliantly, Hansi Flick, on the um, managerial, uh, up for the Manager of the Year award. Personally, I'd give it him, uh, given where Bayern were. They were in a really bad position. I think it was his second game and it was against Dortmund. It's the second game of a manager who's not got lots of recent experience in the hot seat of a, of a big club. So you think, right, this is an opportunity push away from Bayern. They're in a bad position. They won 4-0, did Bayern. They won 4-0 mm -hmm. and I just couldn't believe it. It was like one goal went in and they just collapsed. And games like this, I think, didn't help. Obviously, the recent defeats that were heavy obviously compounded his fate. But in the games against Bayern, the biggest games of the season, in those, in those situations at the Allianz, they, they collapsed time after time. And it's sad, really, because I was telling you just a few weeks ago, Best game in the Bundesliga. Best game. I've, one of the best games I've seen this season was Dortmund Bayern three two to Bayern. Dortmund were really unlucky. They gave a really good account of themselves. Fought hard. They played well. Could have been five five, or even they could have won. Yeah. But and that and that's what you want to see. But in the past, it's not been quite like that. And when you're losing to inferior teams, and I, I say it with all due respect, because um, you know the Bundesliga is a, a league with many excellent teams. But when you're losing five one to Stuttgart at home and four nil to Hoffenheim, it's just not going to cut it um, with the mentality side of things. Because as, as you say, they want to get the title, they might not get it, but be close, challenge, you know. And you've said it: so much talent there, all over the pitch, so yeah. much depth. Yeah, I said when Kovac was in charge of Bayern, he got sacked. This well, the season he got sacked. Bayern had lost Robin and Ribéry, two of the best wingers in the past 10 years. They were mm. doing a transformation because their winners, their elite winners, Lahm, Schweinsteiger, Robin, Ribéry, Hummels, yeah. uh, they're all, all going. They're all, they've all, they'd all gone. And they were, they, a lot of these key stalwarts were disappearing and it looked like it the way they started the season and you thought, this is Dortmund's chance. And frankly, they bottled it. They did. So they did. I mean, to be fair, Bayern did play well towards the end of the season. They, they did, and phenomenally yeah. well. Um, they were scoring tons of goals and everything like that. But, so but the point was, James, I feel like but, yeah, Dortmund missed their chance. Yeah, they weren't they weren't ahead really when Kovac had, had driven them into the ground where they weren't doing well. They should have been taking advantage and really setting the setting the uh, really firing ahead. Because even then, if you lose to Bayern and they play, they win in all the games they were doing under under Hansi Flake, you say, okay, fair play, Bayern to Bayern. But they didn't even get to that point. That's that's the frustrating no, thing, I think. That's right, that's right. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we all fell in love with Dortmund when Klopp was there. Mm. 
Um, Tuchel did quite well at, at Dortmund as well. Tuchel didn't do too. Tuchel, bad. yeah, he won. He won the German Cup. Yeah, and um, he, yeah, he, yeah, he did. A, he did a decent job, and he got, he got him the PSG job. You know, and now yeah, he's done yeah. all that. So, yeah, yeah, Dortmund's a club you kind of want to do well almost because they're such a well-run club. Like Tottenham for any non-Chelsea and Arsenal fan. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we will feel about Tottenham? Wow. Mm. Um, see, I had no idea about that because I'm. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Um, who um, detests Tottenham with all my heart? And uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're one of the Dortmund are one of those clubs you kind of want to do well because they run properly, they develop young players, they play good football, mm. they have a good football structure, and yeah, uh, and they just you just kind of want them to do well. And well, yeah, and, and, I yeah. I, mean, I, I read today there's a there's a there was a release by was an article by. Demarzio, you're quite a good mm. source, saying that Dortmund have an agreement with Marco Rose of. Um, oh, Richard that would Richard be a, that would be a really good, really uh, good. So at the end of the, the season, thing is, though, now, but yeah, so yeah be that, it would because he's done phenomenally well actually for Munch and Gladbach, really, really well. He's taken them on. Uh, a lot. I mean, last season they were the outsiders. I know they did. They, they got into the Champions League. They through to the next stage actually of the Champions League. But they were they were in with a title shout last season. They were. They were carry. They were at the top of the Bundesliga, I think, around Christmas. I know it collapsed a little bit. That's just reality, I think, given what they were up against. But you know, he's done really, really well, and that would be a sound appointment, I think. But the thing is, with Lucien Favre, people thought. I don't think he's done necessarily too bad a job because a lot of people, I think, have developed under his management. Sancho became, you know, a player who everyone admired uh, even more under his under his management, as did Erling Haaland. Uh, Julian Brandt's played a few games this season. He's been willing to give youth a chance and he's been willing to, you know, rotate those options. So they've, he's given them the platform to 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 showcase their talents, to 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 heighten their their market valuations, you know, to to go on to better things in, in, in some ways. And when he got appointed, I was looking a bit back at uh, Favre's CV and, um, you know, did really well for her to Berlin with a really low budget back in 08 9. He got them. To fourth in the Bundesliga with a really minuscule budget, it was seen as a wonderful achievement. And at that time, and then he also managed Monchen Gladbach, did really well with them. He took over them when they were bottom of the Bundesliga, and then uh, in his second season in the club, at the club, he, he took them from there to the Champions League places. Um, then they had a bit of an iffy season because they were trying to compete in Europe. But then the season after, they finished third, and they were they beat Bayern two 0 and they were playing wonderful football. Um, you know, and and it and then that that eventually got him. You know, those successes got him the Nice job. Nice were in trouble. He took Nice to third, the highest position they they'd had in in many many years in France. So, the you know the good points were there. He seemed to do really really well at smaller clubs with low expectations, and he took them took them to that next level. And Marco Rose is doing a similar kind of job at Munch and Gladbach because their expectations weren't too high. They were teetering around the Europa League and, yeah. you know, last season they were fighting for the title. Do they want someone like that? Or do they want someone who's going to have that elite mentality? It's hard, isn't it? Because elite yeah. mentality managers will say, oh, well, I'm not going to play all these young players. We need to sign winners. But that's yeah, not I the style of, Mon of, of my Dortmund. My theory about Dortmund is it's a great club for a manager to go to to prove that they're worthy of a big Big job. Mm. So yeah. um, you can attract elite managers before they become elite managers. Mm. Like that's what they did with Klopp, you know, mm. uh, and Tuchel as well. Mm. Mm. They spied the potential and they brought them in and they let them do it. And and you and you saw what happened, you know. Like and I've always, this is why I've often said that like young English managers should think about this. Like, yeah, I think go manage at clubs like like going managing in Germany for an, for a young yeah. English manager. Um, is a really, really great idea. The setup of German clubs in the Bundesliga is great because many of them have really good teams of people behind the manager. So they have strategists, statisticians, yeah. technical directors, transfer directors, and it, and it, and Munch and Gladbach's like that. I mean, the team in the background, uh, you know, in the background of Marco Rose, the manager, are you know are fantastic, and they've really helped push the club steadily upwards. Uh, into into where they want to be, they have clear plans, which is not same can't be said for all clubs in the Premier League. And that you know, you're right that the managers are often supported really with with great transfer uh, teams who, who search for transfers and, and try and structure the club um, 
over over the over season season on season. I actually just to throw a name into the hat before we move on, I would say Ralph Hasenhutl would be an interesting oh, yeah. shout for class manager. Dortmund. He'd be a great manager for Dortmund. He'd be a great manager for Dortmund. No. That's that's the next level of club for him. Yeah, that is the next level of club for him. I think he'd do well at Dortmund. I think then that would be a platform for him to get a really big job like, well, Bayern Munich or, you know, a big English club, you know, because he's yeah. going to end up at a big club. Yeah. yeah. He's doing too well at Southampton. They're third in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, that's a whole discussion itself. Like yeah. how they lost 9-0, yeah. they stuck by him. And now they're third in the Premier League. But yeah. good manager. Yeah. No. And be interesting to see how it goes. Be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, I'll be watching that closely. But top five positions again. So right wing this time or right midfield. This one was the hardest. The left wing, I think, I can almost say, you know, quite a lot of those could jump onto the right because there's such a, a plethora of attacking depth on that left-hand side. So many goal scorers. Yeah, but that's for another, that's for another discussion. This right now is, for me, I think the right side of the Premier League is predominantly dominated well not dominated but it's more shared out with creative players i think you've yes, got I some i absolutely agree yeah but you've got one or two there's one obvious person who scores a lot of goals from the left hand side it's probably both of our number one right but, yeah. yeah yeah sorry on his left foot on his left foot yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that's what i meant um but there's a lot yeah. of people that come in to create with the left foot so um usually the 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 wide player will be overlapping and then they will come sort of infield and get get a good angle for a crossover and and that's i mean at chelsea for example i'm sure he's in there but we've seen with hakim ziyech that when well, reese uh, when reese james goes on um he doesn't actually he's not the predominant creator then because he's just sort of a, a decoy almost in many ways when he push, pushes on and Zayech gets an angle inside, he then has the opportunity to bend the ball with the left foot. And usually that's either to maybe a Christian Pulisic or a Timo Werner, but also a Ben Chilwell, because Chilwell's kind of the attacking... Yeah. Chilwell's got a couple of goals this season, exactly yeah. that one. You know, yeah. And, yeah, Zayech is in my top five. Easily. I mean, the, the same with James Rodriguez in many ways, because Everton, when Everton didn't have 250 injuries in their squad, um, they used to have Coleman pushing past and James Rodriguez would move inside and then Luca Digne would be making the run that maybe Chilwell does. Uh, instead of scoring, though, Digne is usually, it's almost a free assist from James Rodriguez in that he'll play that ball, the Zayec-esque ball over the top or inside the defenders and then Digne will make the, the assist itself. So it, it works two ways. I mean, if, if Zayec does that to Chilwell and Chilwell's not going to score, he can drill it across. For, for, for assist himself and yeah, Everton yeah. that seems to be it seems to be a bit similar and James Rodriguez um, yeah you know he, he he has that sort of free role but mainly on that right hand side and yeah I mean when the fullbacks aren't playing and I'm sure it would be the same I mean if Chelsea didn't have James bombing forward as a decoy and Chilwell bombing forward I mean suppose it was Azpilicueta who's much more defensive orientated and Marcus Alonso for example, who's nowhere near got the speed of of, of Chilwell. Just, I know you shake your head, but just suppose that. Think about Everton. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just like, like, like cowering in, in like, yeah, like, yeah. But, but, but you think about <laughs> Everton with, with their without Dinier and Coleman. Imagine Chelsea without James and 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 uh, Chilwell. Oh, no, exactly. The impact of Zayech wouldn't be the same because he wouldn't have those. Space. Fullbacks are key to the modern game. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and the thing about James as well at Chelsea is, is, is that he's actually a great threat in his own right because he can, his crossing is phenomenal. You know, and so if Zayek, if you get, if Zayek cuts inside and then you, yeah, and he can't get a ball out, then you can just pass it out to James who gets across it. So, I yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just going to say, James. So, yeah, you know, about top five right wingers, aren't we? So yeah, but it, but in the in the in the Liverpool team, for example, when Mohamed Salah, who's a, who's a goal scoring right winger, he benefits sort of from a Roberto Firmino dropping deeper, and then your right wing starting position is almost striker because that's the positions that he takes up, isn't it? He's so central; he's a striker. Mane 
at times when Liverpool are going gung ho, is so central. He's a striker. It, they sort of more. It's more towards Salah. I think the the team aims more for Salah to be the predominant striker, but Mane also capable. And that's when Firmino, notoriously the false nine that he is, drops ten yards, creates space for Salah to st- start in positions basically false. He's not a right winger, even though he gets it, he can get it there, receive it there, and and he does some neat touches there. It's a bit of a false position because predominantly Salah's in, in the box and he's trying to score those goals. So he's someone actually, I think, who benefits from from being the goal-scoring winger that's so prominent now in the modern day because it's so hard for defenders to track a run of someone who starts uh, from out wide and makes his way inside. If you're a centre-back, it's hellish because you know you used to be able to man-mark a striker. You can't man-mark someone who's on the touchline and then he walks and saunters in. And then he's a striker. It's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it makes it difficult for defenders. Absolutely. And Salah's my number one. Yeah, right Salah's my number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's he is he is world class. I think, and he is he is. And I and I say that thinking that there's so much. He's a phenomenal player. There's still he's still not perfect. I, I actually laugh. Well, I don't laugh because he's a phenomenal player and he can make moments of magic. But I remember commentators will say sometimes, Salah misses a chance and they'll go, oh, that's a collector's item. It's not. It's not a collector's item. He misses, I say he misses a good chance every game. You know, he does before he scores or after he scores. If Salah was as clinical, I think, as a young min song who seems to be efficient, ridiculously efficient, or even obviously Lionel Messi or Ronaldo or people like that, who's son for the Premier League, I think is a, such an efficient goal-scoring winger. If Salah was as efficient as Son, he'd get 30 goals a season, I think. Like he did yeah, in yeah. that season. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Son is, yeah. Well, he's a left winger, isn't he? But, um... He should get another, you know, I think, because on the first season of the Premier League, I think he got 31 when he, in, his, in that season where he was unstoppable. I think he got 31. And then I think yeah. he's been getting like 20, then 19. For me, he should get, I think he should get 30 every season. Such is, if he's, as, you know, he's a world-class player, and he gets so many chances. And it's similar to Raheem Sterling, actually. Sterling gets a lot of criticism for missing chances. Um, he, and he does. He, he, he seems to, you know, it depends what kind of confidence he's in. But Salah's exactly the same. He's exactly the same. And he's finishing yeah. as well. It's not natural sometimes. He kicks a ball sometimes. And it doesn't look right. You know how some people finish, like Thierry Henry? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he'd he'd open his body up and he'd bend it and you'd think, oh, you know he's going to score, it's Thierry Henry. When Salah runs through sometimes, it looks his finishing just doesn't look like, you know, sometimes it does, but a lot of the time it looks like he doesn't know how to properly kick the ball. You know, so I'm not trying to say he's not a good player because he's brilliant and he's my top one in the, in the right wing and there's not many in the world better than him. And I think that's because he's so confident that even when he misses, he'll keep making them runs. He's so fast, he's quite strong. He's got a, such an elite mentality to keep, you know, never seem to lose confidence too much. He'll always try and do things, uh, even if he's not, they're not coming off. But you know what I mean? It's just, it does, does seem a bit, yeah. it's, it's strange. Yeah, yeah. He's also he's your number one. My, he's a class. Yeah, he's, of course he's my number one, yeah. yeah. I mean, so who's well, number two, James? I'm interested. That's interesting. My number two, this is, this is where it gets difficult. I, you know, um, it's, like assessing one above the other and what standards you measure by. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not just basing my, my assessment off this season. No, no. Uh, okay. I'm not basing it. And um, if it's players that just have just joined the Premier League, I'm yeah. still yeah. I'm basing it on their previous career outside the Premier League Yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it was a really tough one, this. Like, because yeah. I, I went through this about different, I went through about three different permutations yeah. of, of this. <laughs> like, it's really difficult because I, I, yeah, I find this very, very, very hard. Really um, uh, so, um, so don't, so whenever, whatever you listeners, whatever, um, everyone listening and Johnny, yeah. don't take this as a kind of, I think this player is better than this player and all that because I think, yeah. it's well, then, who, who is it? But, but I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be biased. Completely biased, and um, I'm going to say Zayat because yeah. um, he's. I mean, if you watched him at Ajax, he was a class. He was. Player. He was. He was very, very he's good. He he creates goals. He scores goals. He's his vision, his passing, his creativity is is absolutely elite. Mm. Um, 
and he's got a great attitude as well. Yeah. You know, he, he came into you could see the impact he had as soon as he started for Chelsea. Yeah. The, the good run of form actually started with him coming back into the side. Yeah. Uh, and he just made such a difference because suddenly there were gaps opening up, there were chances for players. Chelsea was scoring more goals, you know, yeah. and well, they missed him yesterday like, against yeah. Everton and they lost. Yeah. I think if he'd been playing, they wouldn't have lost that game because he would have created something. Yeah. Um, he, he... I mean, to be, yeah, to be fair, James, I've also gone with Zayek. Uh, so you don't need to, uh, so you can both attack me with bias as well. And I find this really hard. I, I'm, same reasons as you. I actually was phenomenal. He should have been poached earlier by a club because I think he was doing it for many years, looking yeah. wonderful um, as well. I think he had quite a good World Cup as well with Morocco. Uh, yeah, he, he he was one of the brighter players for them. Uh, you're right, yeah. I think I think for those reasons, he's he's quick. He's got a wonderful left foot, capable of scoring goals from distance, capable of creating goals. Also, the pre assist doesn't seem to shirk responsibility. I mean, quite a testament when he was in Chelsea's team that he took most of the creative burden off Reese James. Reese James was basically running the right flank. And then he became quite obviously the secondary antagonist uh, in, you know, to, to, to worry about. And Zayesh took the burden of trying to be the prime creator. Quite hard, actually, because three and four and two and three and four are quite interchangeable. And I'll go with three and four now. I've gone with Mahrez at three because I think Riyad Mahrez is quite a frustrating player, but also very, 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 very talented. Did phenomenally well for Leicester. I think his career has gone slightly backwards since he's gone to Manchester City because I don't yeah. think, theoretically, Mares and, and Salah aren't too dissimilar. I think that Salah's more explosive. I think he's a bit more, he gets into, he's quicker. I think he's a bit more, he doesn't think about, he just gets shots off. And I think that's why he's he's probably a better player because I don't think he, he worries too much about anything. He just seems to play without fear. Mares sometimes slows the game down, I think, a little bit, uh, even though primarily he's supposedly doing the same role as, as Salah, which is scoring goals. That's his task, really, as opposed to creating. I think Mares is a goal-scoring winger. He was at Leicester. He, what, he was when he came to Man City. I actually think he's done quite well for City in periods, and sometimes I think Guardiola maybe has harshly left him out. And sometimes you can't really build rhythm when you keep chopping and changing in and out. And my number four, so I'll just do it all in one, is also Bernardo Silva. And I think it's the same with him because Bernardo Silva was brilliant in the season when Kevin De Bruyne was virtually injured. Became the main man in the centre of midfield. Problem is, when Kevin De Bruyne comes back, Kevin De Bruyne is better than even a brilliant, informed Bernardo Silva. I mean, at the time, I actually thought Bernardo Silva was probably the second best creative midfielder in the in the league. And when he was playing centrally for most of the season, I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I know that was. Yeah, I mean, I had the same number three. So yeah, yeah, Morris, uh, same reasons. Um, yeah, class. class yeah. So um, number four, different then. Well, well, Silva and see, I, I wasn't sure whether to judge Silva as a right winger. Yeah, because because if he because he played a lot of last season in the centre because he's so good in that position in the centre because he's not a. I mean, he's not always played on the right wing. Neither has Zayesh, though, has he? Zayesh has been a 10. He's been yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but if, you, if you're counting him as a right winger, then, yeah, he'd be, he would be my fourth choice as well. Yeah, for similar reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a class player. He should what? be better than he is. After that season, I thought it was going to be De Bruyne and Bernardo with maybe Fernandinho or Rodri behind. I thought it was going to be them too. Um, and then for some reason then he's been more shifted out wide where I don't think he's quite as effective um, as he is in the centre I mean yeah he can do well there don't get me wrong but his technical abilities I think are more warranted in a number 8 position but anyway that's just that's just my thoughts uh, and I think he's gone a bit backwards since then but still a phenomenal player number 5 I've got James Rodriguez I think he is uh, you know he's lit up the Premier League since he's come in he yeah, you know, he's basically Everton's creative creativity all in one go. Little hub of wonder that he is. And to be honest, you know, I think of the other options. Zaha's no longer a right winger, so I can't go with Zaha. Pepe can't get in the Arsenal team too much, uh, and when he does, he gets himself sent off. And I do like Pepe, so it's a shame. Willian has gone even more backwards than I think even Chelsea fans expected. So for me, yeah. I'd probably go with James Rodriguez. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh... He's another one where you could say like 
he's playing a lot as a as a ten or eight for Everton as well as on the right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he can definitely play on the right wing, and he's been very effective on yeah. the right wing and scored goals on the right wing and created things in the right wing. So yeah, sure, I agree. I mean, it's like I know it's boring, but yeah. We've got the same top five, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, I even went with Zayas as number two, so that partly my fault. But I do kind of agree with what you were what you were insinuating. And if I had to choose now as well, and looking at them as they are, I would say he's probably my pick. But it's you know you'd have any three of them, and Salah's the number one. So hard one, very very hard. Okay, European results. So. We sort of insinuated the Dortmund one already, 5-1 to Stuttgart, but also uh, a slip-up for Bayern Munich, who now I think, I think, I will just double-check, but Leipzig, I think, are now top of the Bundesliga, which fair play to Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, wonderful week for him after beating Manchester United in the Champions League to get yes. into the knockouts. But yeah, Bayern Munich drawing with Union Berlin, 1-1. Uh, Robert Lewandowski actually equalising after... Richard Promel put them ahead after four minutes. Uh, and then Bayern, yeah, 67th minute equaliser from Lewandowski. So, yeah, a, a rare uh, slip up for Bayern, uh, who are now, yeah, second. Uh, one point behind, oh, goodness me, I've got one point behind Bayer Leverkusen. Where have you come from? Um, Leipzig in third on the same points as Bayern Munich, both on 24. Leverkusen quietly going about the business because the last time I checked this, I know they were doing very well. But um, but wow, that 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 did surprise me slightly. And Leverkusen doing really well. I mean, Leverkusen have you know consistently good Bundesliga team actually. Um, but now top of the top of the Bundesliga tree, uh, Leipzig in third. So yeah, uh, competitive Bundesliga, James. It is, and that's good. It's good. You know, you you still back Bayern to win it in the end because of the depth mm. they have, the quality they have, but. Mm. Again, it's good to have a competitive league. Mm. Uh, and it's good not to have one team just rattling off and running away with it because that's not good for football. So, yeah. Also, also uh, RB Leipzig as well. I mean, you can't rule them out the way they have... Um, no, absolutely you know, not. Done really well. Yeah, Nagelsmann's a really good manager. I rate him very highly. Um, yeah. I um, mean, yeah, yeah. no, he's, he's done a phenomenal job, but... Uh, yeah, we don't. We haven't really spoken about Leverkusen too much. Leon Bailey, actually, he seems to be a, a young player, blistering pace. Uh, end product has been questioned at times, but he does attract interest of, of, of European of European clubs, some in the Premier League as well. And he scored twice against Hoffenheim. And Hoffenheim, have, you know, I said so they beat at the end of last season. They beat Borussia Dortmund by four goals to nil. They also beat Bayern Munich this season by four goals to one. So. They, you know, no mugs at all. They are capable of pulling together some amazing results. Uh, it hasn't always, I mean, they have lost five games, so it's not quite uh, a shock on the cards, but they are capable. And Leverkusen, you know, really going along strong. They've got Kalim Bellarabi as, as well. Uh, Jonathan Tarr, who I've, always, who I've liked in the past, and yeah, uh, Patrick, Patrick Schick. Also, Moussa Diaby, young player, uh, young French player, who so much uh, talent, I think, um, from him. Uh, as well, so uh, Lars Bender with the experience as well, and Patrick Schick as well, experienced forward who capable who is capable of finding the net. So two goals this season. So yeah, I mean that. I, I mean I think it is it is probably a bit too soon for the reasons, you know, a Bayern Munich, b Leipzig doing really well as well, and Dortmund in fifth. Um, bit of a shame. Uh, that hence why um, Favre has been. Uh, giving his P45, but um, yeah, like you say, uh, we we enjoy the competitivity of competitivity, competitive, yes, competitivity of everything. I mean, in in uh, in Italy as well, uh, Antonio Conte might be out of the Champions League and the Europa League, but that might be a good thing as far as Inter's uh, aspirations of a title are concerned. Yeah, they won 3 1 against Cagliari, um, and it was you know, another goal for Romelu Lukaku. D'Ambrosio, Nicola Barella, they actually went 1-0 down uh, in the game, but then they got uh, three goals uh, after that. Uh, I think all in the second half. Yeah, all in the last 15 minutes, so they leave it late. Um, yeah, I mean, I got on my, you got on my way. Antonio Conte won the league, Premier League. Yeah. People had no European football. They were That's playing true, one yeah. game. And so they were playing the same team every game. Yeah. Much. Now the three points off it. 
the three points off AC Milan, who were currently who again without who were again without Ibrahimovic this week. Um I think injury. Um and yeah, that's that that's they've done they've actually done quite well. They haven't been beaten in uh you know in, in their last five games um including Europa League and they've won f- the last four but they drew 2-2 uh against yeah, the I'm thinking like with them having the Europa League and Inter not having European football you know it might benefit Inter because they'll, they'll be able to again like that's the comparison I was making you'll be able to play the same team almost every week won't have any yeah. games apart you know you'll have cup games but that'll be it yeah so it might benefit Inter you know I do. Uh, they were two 0 down AC Milan actually in this game, and two goals from the left back Theo Hernandez. Uh, Theo Hernandez, uh, you know, one of the rising stars of the Serie A in some people's eyes, the best left back in the in the division, uh, scoring twice. So they, you know, that that saved them against Parma. Um, you know, that was a that was a very important result because Parma's only won. They'd only won twice in eleven games this season. It looked like they were going to win three, uh, but those two goals from Theo Hernandez, including a late one from him as well. Very, very important. They actually had 26 shots today, see Milan. Uh, 19 chances were created. So probably one of those games where you needed Ibrahimovic's know-how in the box, maybe. I mean, they did manage to fair play for the character anyway to, to get a point from 2-0 down, but yeah. probably wanted a bit more from that, um, I would have, I would suggest. But i tell you who else is doing well. Well, quite well. Uh, uh, Juventus, two goals again from Ronaldo, who just can't stop scoring. I think he's relishing actually life under Andrea Pirlo a lot more free maybe than life under Maurizio Sarri and I've seen a few people I know we sort of say oh Pirlo might be in trouble if they don't win the league but a lot of people quite rightly make the point that this um, Juventus team has a lot of younger players I like Weston, Weston McKenney the American uh, who did really well against Barcelona and Pirlo one thing about Pirlo is he's a very laid back kind of guy and he seems to be willing to give a lot of these young players the chance to you know, show what they can do because under under Sarri, the young players didn't get maybe the opportunities that they are doing under under Andrea Pirlo. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose testament to the kind of guy, as I say, he is quite laid back, not to not to uh, worry about intricate tactics and things. And he can f- he feels that he can play some of the some of the younger players, and he can switch his formation around a bit more than being the rigid uh, sort of same kind of players that maybe they had with uh, with Maurizio Sarri in charge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Mauricio um, Sarri has always never been a good manager for young players, academy well, players. Maybe bigger clubs because you know players. I think he didn't. You know, and he, he he's never done it at any club that he's been at. Uh, Napoli. He didn't. He did well. Well, yeah, I don't think he's ever developed any academy any really academy players. I think I think with Napoli, he made a style though that that you know quite frankly hasn't been. Uh, repeated the Napoli fans been devastated been when he left. No, it's not been repeated anywhere else. That was a really great Napoli side to watch, it really mm. was. Uh, well, surely that was down to him a bit, though, because since he's left, Ancelotti got sacked after leaving them in seventh or eighth, and Gattuso's come in, and he's, he's sort of had to undergo a bit of a style change. So, they won the, won the, they won the uh, Italian Cup, didn't they, last year? And mm. uh, well, yeah, I mean, they were, I think, yeah, I don't know, I, I. I I feel a bit for Sarri. I think he's he's had a bit of. I don't think he's he's necessarily perfect. I think he's had a bit of hard luck at Chelsea. It was unlucky that he coincided with the transfer ban at Juventus. It was unfortunate that um, you know he wasn't really given more time because he did win the league. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate, but yeah, I don't think he necessarily deserved to lose his job at Juventus. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, he won the league. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, the only the thing he failed at was winning the Champions League. And no, was, yeah. So sure, yeah, and that's the standards, I guess, at Juventus. That's how they are as a club. Tell you what yeah. is interesting as well. PSG now uh, with no games in hand are third in the uh, league and table after losing yeah. to Lyon, and also Neymar got stretched off with what looked like a broken ankle. Um, apparently, towards the end of the game, not um, great. So if that is a broken ankle, um, uh, he's there, and you know. I mean, I don't think they're in trouble in the, in the French league because they still got Mbappe, they still got Icardi, they still got still got Moise Keane. They're still the best, still the best team in the, in the in the division, you know. Yeah. But it comes to the Champions League. If he's not yeah. back for that, and to break an ankle would be a few months at least, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So it would, yeah. Um, yeah. You wouldn't be back for February probably. So I, bro- I broke my ankle 
playing football. I can tell you now, my medical uh, excite with medical, my medical expertise says it's a couple of months. Um, it was pretty bad, so it took me about four months before I was playing again. And you know me, I'm I'm the ultimate professional footballer. So everyone who's uh, yeah, wondering, could it be? Yeah, it will be. Well, it will be March, April before he was playing again. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's and that for the Champions League. That's not good for. for no, uh, it's not. PhD. It's not. So I don't think they, they don't think their league form necessarily suffers so much, but mm. certainly the Champions it's League. It's a close French league. The Lille uh, uh, in fourteen games, eight wins, five draws, and a defeat. Leon eight wins, five draws, and a defeat. Uh, eight, one of those eight wins was against PSG at, at, at uh, Parc de Plans. Um yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. It, League and just got exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting who wins some of these leagues because, yeah, Germany, England, um, yeah, Spain. Uh, I mean, uh, one one result that surprised me a bit, James. Uh, we've been touting Atletico how well they're doing. I suppose it shouldn't be surprising because despite all Real Madrid's. Uh, struggles. Uh, they are still, you know, do it largely doing okay. I think in the uh, in La Liga, well, they are. Um, you know, they aren't doing too bad. They won two 0 against. Uh, well, actually, had a quite a good week because they were on the brink of Champions League exit for the first time in the history at the group stage, and they won uh, against Mönchengladbach. Two goals from Benzema, who is fantastic. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, and then they play their rivals Atletico, who were doing so well. Uh, you, you you could see a shock. Well, you you see some people. So Atletico winning, myself included. Uh, Real Madrid won two 0 So they've closed the gap a little bit. They're in third. They've played one game more than Atletico. Uh, so Atletico can still uh can still go top uh, if they win the game in hand. Or oh, they've got two games in hand. They level on points with Real Sociedad on twenty six. But bit of light for Real Madrid because it was a tough week and they came out of it pretty well. Yeah, really tough week. Yeah, they were, yeah, because before the the Champions League game, you were thinking they go if they get drop into the Europa League, or even worse, don't even don't even drop into the Europa League. Um, yeah, impossible. The dam will be under will be under pressure to kind of stand down or whatever. Yeah, put you know waiting in the wings. Yeah. Uh, but they won, and then they won again today. So, uh, yeah, that's all gone. Um, it's funny with. The two clubs Pochettino is linked with the most. They 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 keep yes. um they keep up for their manager to keep them uh, to keep them in a job. So yes, <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, all they got a soul show. It's like whack a mole, isn't it? Where you, I know you were referring to others and Zidane as well, but every time Solskjaer seems to be getting hit, he pops back up again. So you know, it's uh, it is quite something. But Barcelona as well, Ronald Koeman. Under pressure, this uh, well, the whole season really, and it's an unenviable job at the moment, Barcelona. To be fair to Koeman, uh, but they won one 0 against Levante. Lionel Messi for a change with the winner, um, you know, and and it was a narrow one 0 win, seventy six minute winner. Uh, I suppose a sign of the times at Barcelona now. These wins don't come easy, uh, even against eighteenth place Levante at the new Camp. But um, yeah, I mean. It's not great, is it? Because they were battered as well by Juventus in the Champions League. So, yeah, he's just he's just sort of yeah. limping on, isn't he, Cumin? Yeah, I, I think it was doomed from the start, honestly. Well, it's um, not his fault, is it? Really? I mean, no, it's, it's not his fault. No, 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 no not no. at all. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's how Barcelona has been run. It's the politics of the club. Um, yeah, yeah president, he was probably not the best president for Barcelona. Barcelona fans didn't want didn't want him. They wanted him gone. He's now gone. Yeah, uh, going, and the, all the presidential candidates um, running running to take over yeah. would probably replace him. Yeah, and the, the, so yeah. he knows yeah. that he's probably no matter what he does this season, he's mm. probably going to lose his job. So yes. that's an awful position to be in, especially when it's not great, is it? No, when when Koeman actually loves Barcelona, he played for Barcelona, mm. you know, um, and. You know who they so, should get, James? Frank De Boer, getting back from the, the, think, the Netherlands. I think the most likely candidate, I still think the most likely candidate is uh, is um, Xavi. Yeah, but Xavi, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, because uh, because he, the fans love him. Mm. He understands the club. He understands the way they play football at the club. It's mm. a very unique club with a very specific style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Mikel Arteta, James? 
That would you know, be it's, answer at this point. It's funny though, isn't it? It's funny, uh, but uh, on that, yeah, I mean, the weird thing is, I think Arteta would actually do a decent job at Barcelona. Probably would. Yeah, I mean, the job at uh, the I think the Arsenal job is probably harder than the Barca job because at least at Barcelona you've got Lionel Messi. Uh, Pique, you've got some leaders. I know they've been through a lot, but you've got PK as well. Tish Dagan's a fantastic yeah, goalkeeper. I mean, what's Arsenal got? Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, so they will get another. And, yeah, Chavi's got to talk about his vision for rebuilding Barcelona. Yes. Uh, and developing younger players, bringing through academy players, and just rebuilding, you know, getting them back to their old football. Mm. Uh, and also, that's a good way to keep Messi at the club. So, yes. Um, I think that's that's on my my money is on that happening. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, yeah, yes, I would I would bet on Cherry being Barcelona manager next season. Yes, it'd be interesting. I mean, so much interest actually in the world of football right now, not just in England but everywhere, and it's very good to see. So I think that rounds us off nicely. Uh, next week we'll probably have uh, I don't know actually, it'd be top five left wingers or strikers. But if we're going across, it'd probably be strikers, which would be that'd be quite hard actually. Number one's quite obvious again, but. Uh, <laughs> Number one is obvious, yeah. Uh, Yes, yeah, very obvious. Uh, So we'll move on next week and we'll have a discussion on lots of other things. Uh, Well, three other things. Uh, One of them will probably be European football. One of them will probably be, I don't know, actually. It's a. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? There might be managerial um, casualty, so you do not know. So we have Spotify, iTunes, everything good like that. Yeah, please feel free to uh, keep listening to us. I hope you do. It's also on next week and the week after that and the week after that, probably. Probably. Hmm. Who knows? Christmas, so maybe we have a break. I don't know. Anyway, bye-bye, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone.